Good morning. Well, good morning for us. Good day to you, whenever it is that you're listening. Um, we are the Faith Life Sisters, and we are talking about Rahab. Um, we've spent the earlier part of the week um, reading through the very beginning of Joshua, really. We're only into Joshua chapter 2, um, and we've talked a little bit about what's going on in the history, um, what's going on culturally, culturally. Um, and now we are um, really catching up with Rahab. The spies have been with her. Um, she's sent them on her way or their way. And that's kind of, that's where we are. So um, Terry, do you want to start us out um, reading in chapter two in Joshua? Uh, verses 22 to 24. When they left, they went into the hills and stayed there three days until the pursuers had searched all along the road and returned without finding them. Then the two men started back. They went down out of the hills, forded the river, and came to Joshua, son of Nun, and told him everything that had happened to them. They said to Joshua, the Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. That's a pretty vivid description, melting mm, in fear. Yes. Yeah. Um, Which I love that. That's so, what Rahab said. So they're just repeating. They, they caught her faith in that, that mm-hmm. the people are melting in fear. We're going to be fine. We're going to do great. Yeah. That's, um, that's real. I never even thought about that. Because awesome. those were her words. That's what she said, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Right. So let me ask you this. Um, Josh or the the spies go into um, the city, right? And they end up in Rahab's house. And we kind of talked around last um, or yesterday just about how it was that they found Rahab, and um, you know, did they know of her? Did they get there by chance? We know that God ordained all of it, but how did they really happen upon Rahab? Um, and I think we landed on we don't know other than God. <laughs> um, so it just made me wonder, is there a time that you can think of where somebody wandered into your life that changed your thoughts maybe, or the trajectory of where you were headed for something like did, has God ever sent someone into your life to change things like God sent Rahab to the spies? I can't think of um, like an, a person I didn't know coming into my life unless it was, um, you know, a, a speaker, a preacher, whatever. But a few things came to my mind and one of them was, um, it really did change my mind, my life is Eric, my son said to me, um, I don't know, we were talking about I don't remember what, because that wasn't important. But he said to me, well, there you go, in your good old comfortable bad mood. 
And I was Ooh. shocked. Wow. I was shocked. And I paid attention and I'm like, he's right. Mm. And I, I felt like I didn't think I was in a bad mood, but I'm um, like, <laughs> obviously I was. And then yeah. when I started paying attention and I was like, yeah, that's right. A comfortable, bad mood. Ooh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, daggers mm. to the heart. Yeah. But good, so good, because it made me look at my life and, you know, reevaluate my actions, especially around my kids, for Pete's sake. Well, yeah. So I think that was good. Yeah. Anybody else? Well, I, like Terry, mainly through people that I've been in a relationship with, either a family member or a pastor, um, and mine had to do with negative thinking. You know, I, um, we were at a place, Dan and I, we were having some issues. And so I, I just kept playing this thing over and over and over in my mind. Um, and, and I was talking to somebody about that. And they said, you just have to stop that. And I said, what? I can't just stop that. <laughs> you know, I just, I think about it all the time. It just plays like a record in my brain. And they said, well, you most certainly can stop that. You can replace that thinking because that's really stinking stuff. You can replace that with the word of God and what the word, God's, the word of God says about you and your marriage and um, how much your husband loves you. And so, you know, at first I was kind of like, well, I've never heard that before. That How do you do that? And so it was just pretty simple. She said, just when those thoughts come, replace them with, wait a minute, that's wrong thinking. My husband loves me like Christ loves the church. Um, we're in agreement in all things. You know, put some things that are in the word in your mouth instead of letting those awful things keep going. And sooner or later, what you're saying will get in your thinking. And um, it took a few months, actually, um, my, because my thinking was so off and that on a tangent. But eventually, that, that really did happen for me. I started thinking um, what the Word of God was saying about our relationship and our marriage and our home. Um, and it, it was really miraculous to see that I had some part to play in where I let my mind go because I, I wasn't brought up to think that, you know, just sort of, you know, you think what you think, right? But no, we can have a say in what we allow ourselves to think and how we let our mind drift. So that was huge for me, um, and I was really grateful for that person that was, that came into my life and, um, and taught that to me. Yeah. So, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. When I, I think, a lot, <clears throat> I'm sorry, go ahead. Nope. When I, I think a lot about um, who came into my life, it's Didi. This homework mm-hmm. has changed my life. It is, it helped me really dig into the word of God in a clear, clean way that didn't have a lot of religion on it. It was just looking at the word of God, looking at what he has to say. And as I was a, a part of insights, um, being with Mary Jo, I was, I was really, I know I've told this a hundred times the same story, but it's like, I'm, I'm not going to be a perfect Christian woman. I can't do that. I I'm like so tired of it. And I was going to totally quit everything. And Mary Jo goes, Oh, I can't do that either. And I was like, what? And it's pretty similar to what, it, it, it's a change, almost kind of like what you're, you're, you guys are talking about, is this this flip. 
I was like, she goes, no, Jesus has to do that for me because there's no way I can do that. I mean, that's kind of the point of the Bible, isn't it? I was like, what? (laughs) Like, and I've been studying this for years, trying to be that perfect person. And you guys know me that there's no chance that's going to happen. There's like no chance, right? (laughs) And so I started accepting who I was in Christ and what it looked like and who he said I was and what he said he would do and how he would move in my life. And I started leaning on him to do that. I didn't get that concept even a little bit, how to practice that and walk that out. But when she said that, all of a sudden, and I talked to her more about it, it's like, it's not all on me. This is on Jesus. This is on God. And that's the way he designed it. That's the way he wants it. Yeah. So do you see the, um, like, just to draw a, a, a line here of connection, like, God has put these people in our lives, right, to change our perception, to change how we think, to change um, the identity of who we are and what we put our trust in. And God sent Rahab and the spies together, and Rahab confirmed that um, they were who God said they were. Because God said, this is your place, right? God said, this is your land. This is my land that I'm giving to you. And Rahab said, we know that this is God's land. I know that this is God's land and that he has given it to you. So she just confirmed what God had been telling them. And then at the same time, which we have not gotten to yet, but we will, um, God uses those spies to confirm to Rahab that she is his. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, that's really cool. It's cool. It's just, it seems like over and over again, God just brings people to us to say, just to speak that truth into us, right? And um, just to reiterate what he's already told us, what we already know in our hearts. I wonder too, like, I know if I'm struggling in a place, I can say, God, put someone in my, someone in my life you know, show me, I'll ask that for my children, put someone in their life who's godly, Lord, who can show them the way. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'll do it for myself. I'll say, Lord, I don't understand this. Please bring someone here to do that. I wonder if Rahab's faith in God was just developing and she knew enough to just ask him, like, put them in my way, put, bring me somebody who's going to help us, Lord, or, you know, let me be one of yours. I don't know what her prayer would have been, but she didn't have to officially be an Israelite for her to believe in God. Right. right. Yeah. And it, it, all through the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, God calls everyone, anyone that will come. Mm-hmm. So this is just another instance. Right. Yeah. So the spies have come to Rahab and, you know, told her kind of what's going on. And she said, you know, you, you have to protect me. And you have to protect my people. Um, and they said, okay, that's fine. We will be glad to do that as long as you don't tell. Yeah. <laughs> right? You protect like, us. Don't tell right. on us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and you have to have all your people together because we're not going to go hunting for them. If they're out, off with their heads. Um, that's how it's just going to roll. Pardon the pun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, so that's what's happened, right? And then... The spies go back to Joshua. They say, hey, they're melting in fear. 
we're good to go. We right? got this. Yeah. Right. They did it, but after, but before that, she sent them into the hills. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And um, there, there's a quote in the homework. This is what I like. She sent them for three days and then three days later. So there's this quote by uh, the, out of the Nelson Study Bible. It says, a day for the ancient Israelites could mean any portion of the day. Thus, three days would refer to parts of three days, as in part of today, tomorrow, and then part of the next day. We'll tend to take them in 24-hour segments, mm-hmm. which always confused me with Jesus in the cross mm-hmm. and yeah. buried in the tomb. Yeah. But it fully makes sense once I get this. It's like, oh, yeah, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that was really interesting. That is good. Yeah. yeah. And, and again, how we have to be careful about putting our culture onto other people's mm-hmm. um, experiences and culture. Yeah. yeah, it helps to think of it more as like a calendar day a calendar date yeah. instead of like a 24 hour cycle. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Which it sometimes this feels way more, way simpler and then way more confusing on all these other levels. So, I think right? actually we do the confusing. Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, God, it's pretty simple for him and we, it's hard for us. We want to, we want it to be more complicated, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Like growing up, we always told our kids, we counted down by number of sleeps. Oh, that was so nice. there was no, like, it's going to be Friday morning to Sunday night or whatever. It's like, it's going to be Friday sleep and Saturday sleep. Perfect. So you have two sleeps or whatever. I like that. My daughter-in-law That's sent that to me one time to text two more sleeps till we see you. And I was like, two more sleep? Oh, this is perfect. <laughs> then I can really get yep. You know, yeah. right? I love that. Yeah. Yes. So okay. So they they've had lots of sleeps, right? Yes. And now they're going um, to do the real dirty work. Is what's going to happen here? Mm-hmm. They're marching around the city. The Israelites. The Israelites yes. are marching around Jericho. Jericho is closed up. Rahab has put that cord out, mm-hmm. so that cord is out on the wall, and. Um, I think when I think about that court, I'm like, that's a risk in faith right there. What if someone would have said, What's this? Why this red cord? You know, it's like, oh no, never mind, I'll pull it in. Oh, we just dropped it out the window. I don't know. Or you know what I mean? She could have is I I don't, you know, in, in the weeks following or days coming leading up to it or whatever, maybe not weeks, days following, coming up to them walking around, they were seeing the court every time. Every time they walked around that city, the Israelites were. And so they knew exactly where she was, and that was good. Yeah, because Joshua, Mm -hmm. you know, they made it pretty plain that Rahab had helped them, and so they were going to protect her. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So that was not a secret to anybody in Israel. They knew. I mean, if I would have been Rahab in the window, I would have been, like, jiggling the cord going, <laughs> Look at this, pointing to the cord, going red cord, kind of swinging it around. Or something. And don't you think she would have like tied it around her waist or something? Like, oh, yeah, this is not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, pile right. up the furniture, right? Make sure it doesn't yeah. accidentally like slide out or get pulled on or whatever. Yeah, I think she tied it to the bedpost, like you there know, you when they, they say you let them out down the window, you tie. Yeah, sure. not up all your sheets. Bed. Yeah, <laughs> tie it to the bedpost. Oh, my sister and I practiced that when we got up to the second story. It was hysterical. 
We, if we had a fire, we would take the bed apart. Mm -hmm. We would tie the sheets. We would take out the, we're eight years old. We would take out the window, put the mattress down so we'd have something soft to land on. Mm -hmm. And throw our pillows. At eight years old, it was like brilliant, I think. Yeah. Perhaps just getting out of the fire would have been a better plan. (laughs) Well, because it would have taken a long time. Two little girls would try and get the mattress out the window. To get the mattress out the window, which, by the way, the mattress would not have really fit this particular window. (laughs) Right. That's funny. Anyway. Maybe if it was a really slow burning fire. Right. (laughs) At which point we could have run out of the house. (laughs) Right. That's okay, because we had crocodiles under the bed, too. I am really digressing today. I'm going (laughs) So anyway, they're they're walking around the city, right? They're going to do that for six days. And then what happens on day seven? So Um, day seven, they... The, they blow the horns mm-hmm. and they give a shout and there go the walls. Well, uh, on day seven, though, they march around seven times, not just once, right? Oh, okay. Right. Yes. So that makes, that makes a little difference there, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they shout. Yay. And the walls go down. The trumpet yeah. blasts. The trumpet blasts, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. The people shout. Yeah. Terry, do you want to jump in? Yeah. Yeah. And the walls fall down, um, uh, starting in verse 22. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, go into the prostitute's house and bring her out and all who belong to her in accordance with your oath to her. So the young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father, mother, and brothers, and all who belonged to her. They brought out her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. So she was actually in in the city of Jericho when the walls came tumbling down. But not her walls. Right. Imagine what that would have felt like, though. Yeah. Mm. Imagine what that would have sounded like. And is like, how are we going to make it through this? It had to have been like an earthquake. Absolutely. Think of the noise. I mean, I remember driving by I-75 when they were doing all that construction on that bridge there at Big Mm. Beaver. Oh, my goodness. Sitting in your car, it was deafening. All the racket of of Mm. all that concrete being demolished. So I'm sure Mm. it was a pretty frightening experience to be in her house. This is a city that they estimate had about 2,000 people in it. It was huge. This wall was huge. Mm And for mm-hmm. that to all come down and not hers, it's really quite yeah. remarkable for her to trust. Uh, God is a God of miracles, and uh, sure he's a promise is. keeper. Mm-hmm. And they had promised that they would save her and her, uh, anyone that was in her home with her. So they, God kept his promise, and the Israelites kept their promise to her. Yeah, because they kind of come in after the walls come down. They come in and slaughter everybody in the city. Yeah. Right? And she can hear that, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is so hard. I mean, when in thinking about it in our days, that that just seems unconscionable. But, you know, God has a reason for telling them to do that. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because if they allow people to live, um, if you don't, I'm just going to read Numbers 33, 
verse 55. If you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land, those you allow to remain will become barbs in your eyes and thorns in your sides. They will give you trouble in the land where you will live. And also their people would be pulled away to worship their gods and to do the detestable things that they did. And it's, you know, it's hard to think about, but God had a reason. Mm -hmm. He absolutely But he is a God of redemption and he sees that sometimes the blanket rule is just that it's just a blanket rule and that there are people that are the exception. I mean, it, we see at the end of verse 25, and this is in chapter, the whole um, Jericho and the walls coming down is in chapter six of Joshua. And at the end of chapter or verse 25, it says, um, she lives among the Israelites to this day. Mm-hmm. So not only did he spare her and her family, but he allowed the Israelites to bring her into the fold. And it wasn't, a case of like okay so we spared you now go find somewhere to live but you've been spared and you can come live in the safety of our net you can come live she probably didn't live like right amongst in you know in the middle of town she was probably on the outside of town i read somewhere um but she was definitely you know part of the protectorate there um and was just enveloped by all of it and I, I think God would have spared more people if they would have had the same faith of Rahab. Well, I think God was into wanting to kill everybody, but yeah. that faith in him was not there. Mm-hmm. I love that scripture in Joel 2, 32, where it says that God says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So, yeah, there's that blanket statement of, you know, got to destroy them so they don't contaminate you. So their beliefs don't contaminate the people of Israel. But there's also then that overriding principle that God wouldn't have anyone perish. He wants everybody to come to know him and to love him. And so if you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. And that that fact overrides any other fact um, because of God's great love for us. Yeah, Max Lucado has a, there's a quote here, and it says, the Hebrew spies, it turns out, were actually missionaries. They thought they were on a reconnaissance trip. They weren't. God needed no scouting report. His plan was to collapse the city walls like a stack of dominoes. He didn't send the men to collect data. He sent the spies to reach Rahab. I love that quote. That was awesome. I really like that because that's also applicable to our lives. We could be in the midst of a city. Meaning we're in a situation that is so overwhelming, so filled with sin, but we know that God can help us. We just don't know how to get to him. And he sends, he sends the spies in. Mm-hmm. Or, by the way, we're in a state of sin. And he sends his son. He will spare nothing to get to us. Mm-hmm. It just when you think of that, that um, unrelenting love of Jesus Christ and of God, and how over and over and over and over again he'll come. He'll do whatever it takes to get to you. So if you're in a place right now where you're struggling and you don't know how to get out, all you have to do is call on God's name. All you have to do is believe. And he works things out. And it's, it's amazing what he does. And his answer is always the right answer that we never thought of. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. 
Well, God did call Rahab out, and it turns out that she um, ends up in the lineage of Jesus. Yeah. Um, You know, the harlot, the prostitute, Rahab, the da-da-da, Rahab, the woman who was repurposed and her life was changed around, and she bore a son, who bore a son, (laughs) who bore a son, and, and Rahab ends up in the, you know, in the Bible as in the line of Jesus. And sheesh, that's amazing. That's amazing. I think God has that story for all of us. When I, when I look at numbers, I sometimes I started weeping when I was reading numbers, not because I had to read all the names, but <laughs> it was like, although there is that, there yeah. are so many names, but I went, that's it. We're just going to keep reading. And then I was really moved and I was like, God has used all these people to bring Christ to me. There's all these people. And and I'm in that line. As I continue to share the love of God with other people, I get to be in that line, right? And maybe not as directly in the line of Jesus right there, but I'm in some line of Jesus. Yeah. I know that much because I have him. Mm-hmm. And as I share right. him, I get to be in that line too. That's right. That's a privilege. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's a great way for us to end up um, finishing up Rahab. What a great story. And what a just, um, like Rosemary said, what a privilege that we get to be alongside Rahab in that line. Mm-hmm. Um, Angie, do you want to pray for us as we finish this up today? I would love to do that. Great. Father, we're just overwhelmed by your love and your goodness. Lord, we read about Rahab, and it just kind of blows our minds that here's a prostitute in a terrible city, in an evil, wicked place, and yet she calls on you. She hears about you, and she believes in her heart that you are the one true God, and she risks everything to follow you to help your people. And Father, I just think it's a great story of how much you loved her, that you reached down and saved her and her whole family, Father, everybody that loved that was important to her. And you brought them out of that terrible place and you brought them into your family. And like Rosemary said, we're, we're mired down in sin, Father. We live in a fallen world. And sometimes our lives are pretty mucky and messy. But Lord, we're so grateful that you see us and you reach down and save us out of all that mess. Save us out of all that sin. Um, that you loved us so much that you sent your son Jesus to rescue us and to redeem us. Not just to save us out of something, Father, but to repurpose us for something. Um, to give us hope and a future and a purpose in this life. So, Father, we just want to thank you and praise you, um, first of all, for your son and for the word that you've given us that shows us who you are, um, and for life in you. So, Lord, thank you. Watch over everyone this day as they go out into the world. I pray, Father, that we will always be open to the possibility that you might send somebody into our path um, that we can touch, or that you might be sending someone into our path to teach us a little bit more about yourself. Father, help us to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And I thank you and praise you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Amen. Amen. And cut. <laughs> 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 <laughs>